Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and this week we have been rejoined by Scott Patterson and Thomas McIntyre and as ever we're joined by Willie Boyd. Gentlemen, good evening. Um, before we start tonight's pod, um, obviously the news broke last week of the sad passing of Tamford Safe at the age of 71, a real Rangers legend that unfortunately nobody on the podcast was able to see because Although Scott and Tommy are both old, we're, we're far too young. So our uh, condolences and best wishes go out to the friends and family of Jaws. Here, here. Right, gentlemen, Scott and Tommy, it's good to have you back from your wedding in Las Vegas. Tommy, Thank how you. are you? I am regretting married life, obviously. <laughs> uh, always try before you buy, and Scott has not particularly worked out as the wife that I hoped he was going to be. <laughs> Never buy via mail order is what I would say to the listeners. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's good to be back. Um, just echoing what you were saying about uh, Tamford Sides there, uh, terribly sad. But uh, yeah, great to be back, guys. And Scott, you picked a hell of a week to miss out. <laughs> it's been quite quiet, hasn't it? Um, I was I was uh, I was keeping uh, monitoring where we were in Vegas as we Tommy and I topped and tailed it, and. Um, it was quite exciting, wasn't it? Just a wee bit, just a wee bit. Um, right, listen, we're going to start this week um, by talking about Ross McCrory. Where else do you start? Well, well, is it? See, before we go into talking about Rangers and Aberdeen and all that, blah, blah, blah. Is it a good move for Ross? Uh, he's looking for first-team football, and I think at present he would get that Aberdeen. Well, I think the deal... For a Rangers perspective, is good considering we've managed to get it alone. I won't imagine he's allowed to play against us, so it definitely weakens him. I do think he's, you know, he's. He, I said last week that he was struck me as the type of guy that didn't really want to, you know, just sit and take a wage at Rangers. That would have been an easy thing to do really for him and hope to get a chance. But he's, he's really wanting to go out there and try and forge a career for himself. And you know, I think Aberdeen could be the, the club for him. To be fair. And Tommy, we we spoke about Ross loads of times. You know, Gerard's called him the future captain. Came through the youth ranks, big Rangers man. Did you expect him to go, or did you expect us to keep him? Because this kind of it came out of the blue. He was going to Hibs, and then it changed. He was going to Aberdeen, and then we found out he went to the manager and asked for a transfer. But did you really expect him to go? Well, I think I've on record previous pods of saying that I did think he would go. I didn't think there was a particular place for him. He'd fallen into that gap of he wasn't a centre-back. He was not going to he's not going to replace Goldson, Balogun, a fit Nico Katic, a Hayland or a, a George Edmondson. So he didn't have a berth there. He really isn't a good enough passer, I think, of the ball to be cementing himself in the midfield one of those, you know, distribution places. And then the only place that I thought he may have had a chance of dislodging would have been a somebody like a Ryan Jack, somebody who could move the ball, keep it ticking over, you know, don't let it slow down. But, you know, Ryan Jack's not going to really unlock a defence, you know, that often with a, with a cute kind of pass or anything like that. And ultimately he's not done enough. To, to do that, it's a, you know, similar to the Greg Doherty situation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, obviously, he wanted to, to go to Aberdeen. I think that's pretty, pretty clear he preferred to go there. And it may be that he sees a chance to rehabilitate his career and ultimately get back on the radar of Rangers, maybe. I, I don't know. But, I mean, I think he would still jump at the chance of Rangers to come in at a later date and say, right, Okay, you've went away and you've proved us wrong. Would you like to come back? But yeah, I mean, I'm. I find it hard to get exercised about it. I don't think he was good enough. Well, let me be maybe slightly stronger than that. Actually, he isn't good enough for the Rangers team. The management have made a decision on that. He's gone. My feelings about him are 
now pretty much zero because he's no longer a Rangers player. I wish him all the best, don't be wrong. Right? You know, I hope he performs well enough in an underperforming Aberdeen team that he gets a better move. It's <laughs> uh, probably the, the sum total of that. So, you know, a standout player as they get relegated or something. But um, beyond that, he's no longer a Rangers player. And until such time as he maybe comes back to us, which I don't actually think will ever happen, then, yeah, best of luck. Thanks for coming through and going through the youth ranks. You've never spoken badly about us, but as Ross probably said in his own press conference on Aberdeen's uh, fans TV, I'm not entirely sure what it's called, but he was asked a question, I think, uh, today or yesterday about what about Rangers? No, I don't play for Rangers. I play for Aberdeen. And he's an Aberdeen player, and therefore I don't have much thought about him anymore. Didn't make it ours. Best of luck to him. Right, let's move on and see who actually joins our midfield to give us uh, the impetus that we need. But that must have been one horrible honeymoon because Thomas, you've came back in a right bad mood. <laughs> you know, um, I was actually, I, I was just going to say, and this is for the, for the listeners as well, I was just thinking that when we were having a chat before we started recording, that I was, uh, I was coming across in a slightly curmudgeonly belligerent mood um, and I may have to roll back on some of my comments uh, earlier on as well, but um, off camera. But uh, no, it was it was fine. I, I just I just felt that I, it's fine, you know, doing online dating with Scott. But actually, <laughs> in the flesh, uh, you know, I think he must be using a hell of a lot of filters. Is is all I'm saying. Um, I was uh, I it was I was thankful that there was a, a cashless bar. Let's put it that way. Right, moving on. <laughs> Scott, um, is Ross McCrory dead to you? Because he seems to be dead to Tommy. I think the, the Ross McCrory has his problem this season after a, a pretty fruitless spell at Portsmouth, you would have to say. See, you know, that loan yeah. down south was ultimately a development loan. Um, went down there, got injured twice, couldn't get into the midfield. Suddenly was playing at right back. No one really thought he was he was going to be a right back. He's came back up the road. Um, and the reality is with Ross McCrory, as far as I'm concerned, is that he wasn't second choice for any of the positions he could play. Mm-hmm. He was the second choice centre-half. With Nathan Patterson progressing in the manner that he is, he wasn't second choice at right back. And he was going to have no danger in, in manipulating any of the guys with the midfield berths just now. Um, the ironic thing about it is that Ross McCrory's best game for Rangers, in my opinion, was when he played that enforcer role against Aberdeen at Ibrox, when he was excellent. He was absolutely brilliant that night. However, that performance never came back from him, as far as I was concerned. Um, and while I, I think there may be a chance that you would see him back at Ibrox in the future in a blue jersey, uh, I think he does have to leave for the good of his career to get games under his belt, a bit of consistency, but more importantly, absolutely develop down what position he plays. Is he a midfielder? Is he a right-back? Is he a centre-half? At the moment, he's left, and no one really knows what he was set out to be. Yeah, well, look, he wasn't a right-back. There was no danger he was ever a right-back. I always felt his position would have been centre-back. But then, of course, we went through some trouble when Ross first came into the club and they played him at defensive mid. he done okay. Like you guys have said, we've got better players now. It's, it's as simple as that. We've got better players. Um, I'm going to come on and talk about Greg Doherty, but just before I do, obviously, with Ross going to Aberdeen, there was always going to be these reports, Willie, of Lewis Ferguson coming to Ibrox. What's your opinion on Lewis Ferguson? Because I want to give mine, but I'm not going to. Um, I, I, I've not really seen a lot of him, to be fair. Um, so, I mean, obviously his name's always, you know, going to be in a Rangers history with his, with his uncle and, and his dad as well. Um, but I, apart from that, I, I, I don't think he would really improve us. You know, so he's got that nasty streak to him. But then you've got Jack and Kamara who probably play in a similar position, I think. I'm not 100% sure in that, but. I've not really seen a lot of him to, to give a judgment either way, to be totally honest. But I think the other guys uh, might be able to let you know a wee bit more about him. Tommy, Lewis Ferguson, 
listen, he's always he's looked decent up against us. He scored that goal, I think it was in the semi-final to put us out. He's nasty, but what would he bring to us that we don't already have? Oh, that's a. I'm just trying to put it all together. Um, nothing. There, there's <laughs> the answer. Uh, if, if we take a step back, so thanks to William there for that. We Glenn Kamara short pass right across to me. Uh, that was that was great, greatly appreciated. I knew you felt far stronger on this than I did. So. Yeah, I feel strongly about everything, William, as you as you're aware. <laughs> uh, I feel strongly about feeling strongly. Um, uh, I, I can't I can't stress enough to the listeners how much of an old curmudgeon I was off off air when I was being asked some questions by the guys. Actually, now I've I've cycled it through my mind. Um, and that was you guys getting a small glimpse of what I'm like in my day job to people. Uh, and as a husband. Uh, <laughs> yeah, quite, quite. <laughs> you're getting back to Ukraine. Uh, is that so, is that a bruise in your eyes, Scott? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on there. Hold on. <laughs> uh, no, no laughing, Mark. I'm not Mark. Um, yes. So you were you were asking me a question about Lewis only in Scotland, Ferguson, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Not having a go at you in particular here, Martin, but I often get a wee slightly exasperated when people say, you know, always get a tough streak or a nasty streak and all that. I, I tend to find it shorthand for somebody who can't play the game correctly or doesn't have that top-tier talent because what they do is they run about and they, they put in a hard challenge around the game or they kick people. And actually, that's just a, that's a way of masking some of the deficiencies that a player sometimes has. It's not as if Ryan Jack or Glenn Kamara or, or anybody uh, actively go out the way not put challenges in, right? Nobody's like that. Ultimately, would Lewis Ferguson walk into the midfield at Rangers right now? No. Is he better at doing the destructor job than a Glenn Kamara or a, a Ryan Jack? Maybe Glenn Kamara, but Glenn Kamara offer, offers you a hell of a lot more as well. And he's a lot better in tight areas and he can take the ball and he can he can move a little bit more and he's a classier player. Um, so, no. Anybody who... I think it's, it's an easy one because you see Ferguson, McCrory going up there, it's slightly like for like. Well, the question then would be, is Ferguson better than McCrory? So play that out in your mind. Roughly, is he? No, they're pretty much the same type of player which is why they'll fit in perfectly at Aberdeen, and that's no disrespect to Ross McCrory. But their passing is not exceptional. They don't have exceptional goal-scoring uh, records. Their positioning sometimes a little bit awkward. They can tend to get a bit too close to their man and get turned a wee bit easily. I, I have a problem with Ross McCrory about that, which is why I don't think he'd ever make a, a really top-tier centre-back as well. And they are slightly inconsistent. I mean, if you watch uh, Lewis Ferguson, he's... You know, it's Aberdeen symptomatic and that he gets up for a couple of games a season. And I'll let you and the listeners put together which games I think those are that he gets up for. So, no, I mean, it's just, it's lazy shorthand for saying, yeah, we could just bring that player into the club. And actually, I think some of it's based on the surname as well. Ultimately, he is a run-of-the-mill, ten-a-penny, garden-variety midfielder and not the level of class that we were looking at. If Rangers were to bring him in, you would instantly ask yourself, why wasn't it just keep Ross McCrory, who would be on lower wages, one would suspect, and has a genuine affection for the club, as opposed to transferring somebody out, to transfer somebody in, to then try and bed them. And when are you going to play Lewis Ferguson on a wet Tuesday night at Fur Park? Right, magic, there's lots of other players that can do that. No, nonsensical, absolutely not. Move on. Like I said at the very start of the question, Tommy, I've got my own opinions on Lewis Ferguson and the way that you set that up at the beginning of your answer, I totally agree with it. It's just an excuse. It is just a, a way of calling somebody a thug. Personally, in my own opinion, that's all I think he is. Um, but anyway, Scott, Lewis Ferguson. So what's your, your brother opinion then, Martin? You know, I know you're the host and all that, but let's... Okay. I've come back from my uh, my honeymoon in a very challenging challenging frame of mind, but um, I should point out myself and Scott were not on honeymoon. <laughs> 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 yeah, well. just, just in case anybody does get the wrong idea. 
<laughs> see, uh, see, seriously, my opinion, my opinion is that Aberdeen are a very poor team that play in a way that gets them points. I, I believe that a lot of the Aberdeen players are seriously overrated, and I think Lewis Ferguson comes into that category. I have never seen Lewis Ferguson play and went, do you know what, he's actually a really good player. I've yeah. seen him be dirty. I've seen him try and injure people. I don't want somebody like that at my club. I want somebody at my club who can bully midfielders in the right way. I don't want somebody at my club that goes, I know I'm going to try and injure him. And I believe that's who Lewis Ferguson is. Scott, your opinion? So so from someone who is a, a, a huge fan of his father when he played and probably more so of his uncle when he played, um, I think if Lewis's surname was McIntyre, Boyd or Douglas, we wouldn't be having a conversation about him tonight. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Don't, by the way, I should just say the only reason I brought him up was because there's always a link there. Um, and I actually... I thought it was because, Martin, you were, uh, you were scratching around for research. No, no, I'll tell you something. I just padding. always want, I always wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> But, but Tommy, Greg Dockery, obviously, we, we've spoke a lot about Greg. Um, I, I think actually quite an unfortunate uh, guy at the club. I, I, I honestly do think if we had a Greg Dockery in the park against Livingston, it could have been slightly different. Um, but obviously, reports suggest he's going to Hull. Reported around 400,000, but you can never believe what's in the press. But be a shame to see him go, but let's be honest, he's not going to play. And Hull City's a decent move for him. I think it's a very, it's a very good move for my understanding as well. That there's, it's round about the four hundred thousand. There's also a sale on cause and stuff like that. Yeah. All the good stuff. And he's, uh, he is, he's the one much more so than Ross McCrory mm-hmm. for me. He's the one that I, I probably thought could, could do it. He certainly tried. That's not to say Ross hasn't. But he certainly tried. His loan spells have been better, by and large. They've worked out better. Than or he's performed better than, than Ross did. I thought there was maybe a space for him. I really did. Um, bit of a box-to-box midfielder can get the odd goal and can, can actually put it about a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got you know, physique and all that kind of all that kind of stuff as well. I think he's maybe just. Uh, I'm, you know, for anybody listening to this, uh, not watching it on on YouTube, I am. Struggling to keep down my dinner after uh, <laughs> seeing Martin flexing uh, the, the guns there, uh, the, water, the water pistols. Um, or the eight teams back. What a pumps. But yeah, I, I thought there was maybe a space for him. And I was a wee bit, I'm a wee bit disappointed with that. I, I think you're absolutely right, Martin, though. I 100% agree that I think he's been a victim of circumstance. Um, and you know he's not winced or uh, whined uh, or cried out about about that. He's got his head down. He's tried to work really hard, and he's the you know the captain of his own fate there. Um, and if anybody's listening really carefully, they'll have realised that just through all that sense, I bastardised a poem um, called Invictus, um, the captain of my soul, and all that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, I wish him a lot of goodwill uh, in terms of the fact that uh, some people actually do read poetry. (laughs) Um, The point I was making, the point I'm attempting to make, is that I thought there was a space for uh, the club. I'm really, I'm really disappointed. Actually, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm a bit more disappointed than that with him than I am with Ross McCrory. And it's really sad, but Hull's a good move, and he could perform really well down there. He could be one that makes the breakthrough. Nice yeah, goes I agree. Um, aye, but I think you're right, Martin. Sorry to, to look back. I've, I've duplicated my words there slightly, uh, went off track. But I, I think he really was a victim of circumstance, probably more so than Ross McCrory, actually. Uh, he just couldn't fit. And I don't know what it is. There just seemed to be a real dislike of him or a, yeah. a lack of... Felt like that. Aye, or a lack of belief in him in any way, shape, or form from Stephen Gerrard and the rest of the team. I think he came on, I'm trying to 
struggle to remember when Gerard first took over. He came on in a friendly, and that was pretty much it. You know, yeah. kind of disappeared right out the door. And I it just seems to have never, never ever worked. Real a real stick on stuff. So yeah, yeah, a real disappointment. Well, uh, like. Tommy said they're really disappointing. Hull City is a, it's a good move for his career. Do you feel as if that he maybe had that wee something that, that we could have used, especially against Livingston? You know, do you feel as if he could have had something this season to contribute to the team? He was always kind of a busy player, I suppose, across the midfield, wasn't he? Um, he was always looking to try, try and get on the ball and make things work, I suppose, but I mean, just going back to when we signed him from Hamilton, I thought it was a bit strange at the time, but I thought he was going to be one for the future. Obviously, things haven't really worked out that well, but like as Tommy touched on, his loan spells couldn't have went any better, to be honest. So I was quite surprised that he didn't get a chance, but then he might, you know, he might just be kind of victim of, you know, the weight of the jersey, so to speak, maybe. I mean, at Hibs, he looked a slightly different player, I thought, in a Hibs jersey to a Rangers jersey. And, I mean, that's the only thing I could maybe uh, pinpoint why he never really played a lot of games for us in the end up. Um, but I mean, I thought at the start, Gerard kind of liked him. Um, I think he liked his fitness and his, you know, his enthusiasm about the park. But as, as Tommy said as well, you know, he, he quickly fell out of favour. Um, I think he was hoping for another loan spell for what I've read uh, this year. Um, but obviously, that's not happened. But... Um, yeah, I think Cole's a, a pretty good move, but I think they've got a, a bit of trouble off the field with their owners as well, haven't they? Because they try to change their name to Hull Tigers or something like that back when they first got took over. Um, he's obviously gone back to, to League One, where he was with Shrewsbury, I think. Or was he League yeah. Two? Um, so, I mean, he knows the league well, um, and I'm sure he'll be a great success down there. Now, Scott, as we've discussed in depth on the pod tonight, you were on holiday last week. Indeed. So towards the end of your holiday, you know, you've had a good time, you've had a week off. Yeah. The Rangers are the Rangers are playing in the Sunday, so you're buzzing, excited about that. Always. How did that go on Sunday, Scott? Um I, it was quite disappointing. It was quite <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> so I, I think the Rangers fans were largely geared up because all we, we had had towards the end of last week was how we could be X amount of points ahead of um, Celtic because of the next time they played because Bowley went for an overnighter in Spain or whatever it was he was away to. Um, so the performance itself I thought was was a wee bit disappointing. I do think, and I have to say this, I think that the reaction to online and across all the usual social media channels where you've got the 12-year-olds battering away in their keyboard um, and messaging people like Michael Beale and tagging in the players and their fury um, has been way, way, way over the top, bordering yeah. on absolute ridiculousness, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think there's, there's definitely some of the supporters need to have a bit of a deep breath, long hard look at themselves. We're four games into the season. <laughs> We're sitting top of the league. Do you know what I mean? If someone had said that to us at the start of the season, do you know what I mean? In four games time, your top of the league, would you take it? Darn tootin' you would take it. You would absolutely take it. Every day of the week, every season, if someone comes to me and says, four games into the season, you don't concede the goal, but you're sitting top of the league, that, that'll do for me. Yeah, I mean, listen, look, we've got a platform here. We do a, we've started doing a post-match pod. You know, you go on it, you, you vent whatever you want to vent, as long as it's obviously not, you know, heat mail or whatever it is called, what's it called, inciting violence or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You come on and you have your saying, if you don't think the team have played well, you say, I don't think the team have played well. If you say, I don't think he was very good today, I thought he was rubbish, you say it. What you don't do is you don't go on social media and contact the players. That's just ridiculous. That's just stupid. And like you say, Scott, it's extremely childish, Yep. you know. But, but Tommy, as for the actual game, what worried me the most now that I... I think I watched back about 20 minutes of it and I went, well, I can just put that on a loop because that's the whole game. We looked extremely poor up front and we looked as if we had a total lack of ideas. Yes, yes, I know. 
uh, I, I would be my take on that. So I don't think that we were as bad as people thought or as bad as people made out. We actually made Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been This Is I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I look forward to my exciting uh, <laughs> violence mail so to come walking in. Um, yeah, I just... I understand the frustration, right? I shared it myself. Obviously, it spoiled my my Sunday. I thought that's that's magic. I'll get down the road after my break. It'll be fantastic. I'll park myself in front of the TV and I'll enjoy us spanking Livingston. My biggest concern was actually, I hope we don't get any injuries on that bloody pitch. Mm. No, right? I'm in for ninety minutes of turgid hand wringing. Um, going to use the word uh, the phrase hand wringing now. One of the phrases I hate the most is panty waiter, which you see on social media all the time. If anybody complains about the club or anything like that, absolute nonsense. Everybody's allowed a view. Right? Just hate that bloody phrase. Um, so I look forward to you guys using it excessively from now on in every conversation I have with you because I know what the three of you are like. Guaranteed. Um, <laughs> hashtag panty waiter. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, we should get that. Somebody, somebody get that in the screen when I do this. I'll make it look like it's my hashtag. No, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> although we do have the, we do have a name for the pod there. There we are. That's what that's what it's going to be called. Um, hashtag panty Again, I, I digress away from away from what the question was. Uh, it hasn't taken me long uh, again this week to, to manage to do that. But, so I, I, yeah, I didn't think we were as bad. We made some good chances. Were we as clinical up front or as cutting as, as we, we like to see Rangers be and as we know we can be? No. Did we know we were going to encounter a low block? Absolutely. Did we do enough to expose that block consistently? No, we did not. And I think that's where the frustration really lies. I do agree with, the, do agree with you, Martin, to an extent that at some points it did look as though we'd forgotten some of the basics of unlocking. A team, you know, if you've got people like Ryan Kent and all that, play it over the top, allow him to isolate, don't give it to him 40 yards out where he's back to two defenders and he plays the five-yard pass back. Uh, I do think in games like this as well, Kamara and Jack become frustrating when you're looking at Herlander and uh, Goldson to try and break the lines by coming up over the halfway line with the ball and it just looked really congested. Didn't think we stretched them wide enough. Didn't think we played to uh, Kamara Roof's strengths when he came on either. Um, and Cedric Itton, although in Roof's defence, he looks as rusty as a rusty gate. Uh, and Itton, I uh, just... Not ready. Actually, I'm waiting for him to show, show mm-hmm. something. Uh, but, yeah, to, to get back again to your question there, I've managed to do it twice in my own answer there. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm raising the bar this week. Uh, I, I, I just felt that we... Maybe not running out of ideas, but just expecting that if we kept going, a moment of magic would unlock Livingston as opposed to forcing it. And that's a really controversial I don't think anybody took, maybe out with of Ryan Kent, took massive, massive responsibility for beating their man and making something happen. And Bonavarisic as well obviously gets a, a mention because he was arguably the best player on the pitch and arguably the best player since the start of back this season. Uh, but yeah, another poor game from Haji has to be said, just not happening for him right now. But Morelos looked uh, extremely lethargic, actually. And I think we really missed Joe Rebo. Uh, was yeah. it, there was also some selection strangeness, but I suppose if we didn't know what we were going to get, Livingston away, you know what I mean? Fighting for points this early in the season. But just to bookend it, I'm with Scott. If we. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it like, oh, this has been the same thing since Steven Gerrard took over. We don't know how to break, break down a low block. Actually, that that argument and that moan and that concern has been going on since, I'll just say since soonest, right? Because Rangers were a dominant team and expected to break down these wee diddy teams. And if we didn't do it, then it was, oh, we don't know how to break them down. It's going to happen. Gerard's got a wee bit of a, an issue now. It's sitting on his shoulder because his teams sometimes fail at the mental hurdle of breaking these teams down. And that's probably the bigger, wider thing that people are getting really concerned about. But do I think we'll get more in the locker and do I think this will be a trend? I bloody well hope not. If it does become a trend, Stephen Gerrard will lose his job. There you go. 
No, absolutely. And do you know what? I was going to come on to this a wee bit later on, but I think I'll just segue into it. Um, well, I'm just going to give you a wee look. <laughs> well, in the first four games of the season, um, they've kind of all took the same kind of pattern performances-wise, and we've all said, you know, performances have been okay. It's the start of the season. They'll start to get better as they go on. And then, obviously, we played Livingston. Again, I I slightly disagree with Tommy. I I I think I actually think we were terrible. You know, we had we had no ideas. The build up play was all the same. We tried out wide a couple of times, and then we thought we'll try in the middle. The passing was too slow. Jack and Kamara were too slow. The defence were too slow. It was just it was a terrible performance. Have the first four performances of the season worried you at all, or are we just all maybe getting a wee bit too ahead of ourselves? Um, well, my point of view, probably, you know, we'll wait and see what happens this weekend before I make that judgment. But it's obviously really frustrating that, you know, we've, we we felt we kind of try and create chances where we can get goals. Like, I mean, we had three shots on target. The keepers mm-hmm. made three saves. The Borna Barisic free kick stop was, was a really good save. You know, a lot of keepers would be worrying, checking at the side of their eye where that post was. He didn't care. And he showed that uh, by running straight into it. Um, you know, 23 efforts at goal as well. Um, only three hitting the target. It's You want better than that. But then again, you know, some, uh, sorry, Livingston were throwing bodies in front of things, blocking things. They were, you know, as uh, some people say, they were parting buses, you know, um, in front of that, uh, the goal. More than one, I think, to be honest. Um, but it's... I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I think, you know... I'm learning to me, William. Keep, keep driving. Keep <laughs> I think, driving. I know, I'm just going to keep plowing on here, but I think, <laughs> I, I think we're just going to see a, a copy and paste in tactics with Kamarnock at the weekend, and I think that's when we'll gauge if it was just a one-off, a wee blip, or maybe, you know, these problems have been, um, you know, constantly been ongoing since uh, during uh, Gerald's tenure. But I think, you know, in Sunday, see if we had a, a defender like Balligan who could, you know, run forward, that might have posed a different, you know, question for the Livingston players who have the experience, maybe that. Um, and that's maybe where you, you maybe get the best for Jack and Kamara, who'll see that danger and slip in. And then you've got this guy who loves going in these Baguera-style runs, um, who, what we've seen against Aberdeen anyway. So maybe in, in uh, Saturday, if Balligan's fit, Aribo's fit, well, maybe you know, coast the game, you never know. I think I've jinxed us by saying coast, but <laughs> there we go. If your main worry is that your attacking performances haven't been good enough because your centre-back isn't playing, there is something seriously wrong with your team. No, I was just meaning like, um, you know, it's a different kind of option that I don't think many people have uh, really, you know, suggested that maybe we missed him. Because I think it's, it's going to drag players out that on the experience in that. Just, um, Sorry. Just, just, just before Scott comes in, well, right, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to have another opinion here, right? That's two opinions in the space of one podcast. Hey, Scott, we go away for a week. I know. We come back and <laughs> Jeez, that's so fun. opinionated. See for a very long time. See, see in 2012, right when the shit hit the fan. I was living down south, and my life was completely different to what it is now. Right, and, and we've went through all these troubles. We've come back up all the leagues. We've came, we've been back in the, the Premier League for a few years, and you know, my mindset forgot what it was to be a Rangers supporter when I was saying things like, "We're going to go to Livingston. It's a bad pitch. It's going to be tough. We're heading to Kilmarnock. It's going to be tough. St Mirren are going to sit in. It's going to be tough. No, we're Rangers." Right, we're the most successful team in the world. We should not be struggling going to play the likes of Livingston. I'm sorry. It should just not be the case. And the fact that we struggled so badly on Sunday, and Scott, I'm going to bring this to you. See if our manager didn't have the second name, Gerard, would there be more questions asked? Um, no, I don't think so, because I go back to the point that I, I said at the start. Um, the top of the league, they've not conceded a goal. And I, I think without having the information in front of me, I think it's been a long time since we've went the opening four games of the season without conceding. I don't think we've done it in 
in recent memory. Um, so, you know, I, d- I don't particularly think that if, if it was anyone other than Stephen Gerrard that you and I would be would be talking about it in exactly the same manner, by the way. If Borna Barisic puts that free kick in the top corner at the weekend, the flags are out. The absolute flags are out. And whatever's ha- ever happened the 80-odd the minutes or so beforehand, no one's bothering their backside about that because we've, do you know what I mean? one nothing, game over. And we are these points ahead that we're so obsessed with being ahead of Celtic. It's four games in. Four games into the season and the chopping blocks are out. And there's a definitely an, an element of our support that if, do you know what I mean, if things were to go all right at the, at the weekend, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean, there'll be hell to pay. There'll be absolute hell to pay. And one thing I was going to, going to come back on, um, I think for as long, uh, one of the things that, that really hacked me off at the weekend was the, the stick that Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara took. Um, if we want to have two attacking fullbacks and Borna Barisic and James Tavernier in the sense that they play the attacking side of the halfway line, we have to get used to having the box in front of the goalkeeper. And that box will always be Goldson, Balogun or Hellander, Kamara and Ryan Jack. And those four will stay there. And by having those four there as security, it gives Tavernier, Barisic and all the other guys ahead of them to attack and progress and try and win games for us. Now, granted, did it happen at the weekend? No, we know it never. Did Hadji have a good game? No. Did Morelos have a good game? No. Did the guys that come on in the second half have a great game? No, they never. So for as long as the big players that are doing the attractive, sexy jobs aren't doing their jobs, we're going to have a problem. But it's too easy to to, to sort of look at Ryan Jack and Kamara as not being attacking because we're playing at Livingston. If we want the team to attack in the manner that we've seen for the last sort of four games, if you like, and the, the sort of first half of the last season, we have to accept that in front of the, the, the goalkeeper, there's going to be a box and it's going to be these four and everyone else is going to bomb forward. It's going to be the way we're going to see it at Fir Park this year. Easter Road, we're going to see it. We're going to see it when we go to Hamilton and we'll see it when we go to Rugby Park. So let's get used to it. It's going to happen. There's going to be two holders ahead of two centre-halves and see if in May, if we are talking about winning 55, I don't care how many bad oh. games or unattractive oh, yeah. games that Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara have. Because if we're lifting the trophy at the end of the season, that's absolutely all that matters. Right, I'm going to pull host rank again here and I'm going to come in with my third opinion. of the. You just can't, you just can't go on holiday again because you are a bad influence on me when you go away. <laughs> right? Scott, mate, I love you, but I'm going to absolutely, completely disagree with you. Okay. See, when Livingston are playing the formation that they are playing and they have one boy up front and nobody else is interested in crossing the halfway line, you do not need two defensive midfielders sitting in front of your back too. Even with your wing-backs pushing up, you do not need Jack and Kamara sitting on top of each other talking about the weather. Well, let me come back to you on that. I would suggest, see, when one of your centre-halves is Hellander with very little game, over pre-season and an absolute shocker the last time he went to Livingston. I think you do. We'll play Edmondson then. He clearly didn't fancy Edmondson. Hellander was the guy that was there. So the fact that he had such a shocking time before against Dykes, I know Dykes wasn't playing and the guy that played up, but that's not to say that the guy that was playing up front for Livingston wasn't as good as Dykes. It's you not to say he wasn't as good as Dykes, but you don't need two defensive midfielders with your centre-backs when they're not interested in attacking. Can I just, but, can I just jump in on that for a second, though, because I think one of the, the things that gets slightly lost in this, this conversation, and it's been the same since the weekend, is Brian Jack and Glenn Kamara aren't natural defensive midfielders. That's right? true. So, and I would probably say your more defensive one, in my opinion, actually strains enough out of the two of them is Kamara whereas Jack's got a little bit more licence to go forward. But really what they're there to do is, yeah, give some protection to that back back two, if you like, because you're, you know, your, your wing-backs are going on. That's why sometimes Jack drops back and he make it a back three and allows slightly different passing scenarios and allow people to break the line. I do get your challenge, Martin. It has to be said, though. I do understand it. But, you know, the main job of uh, Kamara and, and Jack is to keep the ball recycled to allow gaps to open up, to draw people out 
So therefore, your Hadjis, your Arfields, your Aribo, if he would have been playing, your Kent, your whatever, can then exploit that space. The problem that we really had where was we got it out wide hell of a lot of times uh, on, on Sunday. We made space, we put crosses in, the crosses were largely ineffective. And then when we came down to try to play through the lines, the movement wasn't really working. Mm-hmm. We were playing really into Livingston's hands. We weren't going over the top, which was always the game plan. We weren't particularly stretching them. And therefore, quite rightly, and I again, I, I was shouting at the TV myself, you end up with that scenario whereby Goldson, Kamara, Jack, Hellander are playing the ball almost in a straight line between them, up and down the line, connect four. Mm-hmm. And you're saying to yourself, go forward. Somebody go forward. Anybody go forward. Mm-hmm. Somebody, got, somebody got on the pitch and go forward. And it just never, ever worked because it was just a static line and nobody wanted to actually push it forward and you weren't getting the movement from the, the forward sexy players to come back and, and switch it across. So whilst I get all the arguments and all that, I just wanted to point out that they're not natural defensive midfielders and one would have thought of who's a famous defensive midfielder, Makaleli or something like that. That really destroyer job mm-hmm. or uh, N'Golo Kante for, for the yeah. more you know, younger uh, listeners. Um, they do slightly different jobs than that, but they are, you know, they're worth putting that challenge in as well. Goes back to what we were saying earlier about people can still put in challenges and they don't have to be uh, nasty about it or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I, the main function is to keep the ball recycled because Rangers like to play a possession-based strike game, mm-hmm. which is move it about, create the space, strike, and get the ball up forward really quickly and get into the box or whatever. So, um, yeah, just wanted to weigh in there. Yeah, and Scott, listen, I, I I agree with you when you're talking about Jack and Kamara sit with the two centre backs. But my my main point is, see, when you're playing against a team that we were playing against on Sunday, when they were, I'm tripping over my words now because I'm having opinions. This is terrible <laughs> because because they weren't interested in attacking. And there was a it was a great thing on Twitter, and it was the average positions of all the players in the last four games. And Jack and Kamara are right next to each other, right in front of the back four. That's their average position. My whole point was, surely one of them should have just took the bill by the horns and went, listen, we're having no luck up front. I'm just going to break lines and go. That was the only point I was making. If you're playing against a Celtic or something like that, I completely understand. You have, the, you have them two there to help out. Whilst your wing-backs push on, maybe an Aberdeen. I completely understand that. But on Sunday... and. <laughs> The reason that I'm saying if it wasn't anybody with a different surname than Gerard would they be asking questions is because see that performance on Sunday? That's the same performance that's cost us the league title last year. It cost us in games the season before. And I just worry that this is just going to repeat itself this season and the worst is going to happen. I I mean, I... I understand where you're coming from. I would come back to that and say that I think in our trips to, to Livingston previously, when things haven't went according to plan, or Rugby Park indeed, or even Hamilton's, um, I don't think these games have happened as early on in the season. So there is 36 mm-hmm. or so games to go. Um, I genuinely don't think we'll look back on Sunday's game as a as something to say, shit, you know, we should have done better that day. We would have won the league if if um, we had dropped Hellander and started Edmondson or didn't they start Kamara and Jack and started someone else. I still maintain that the the box that we see in front of the goalkeeper is going to be the way we're going to play moving forward when we go to, to grounds that have been historically a little tricky. Um, but what Gerard is ultimately looking for is the sexy players, as I think Tommy and I have both alluded to, to, to really turn it on and, and ultimately be better. Ultimately be better. So your guys like Hadji, who we've not had a song out yet this, this season. Um, Morelos, not had a song out on this season as far as I'm concerned. Scored two, of course, um, in the Johnston. St. Mirren, sorry. Um, hasn't really done a lot since then. Um, I still don't oh, know. Was it St Johnston? Sorry, I don't know. Sorry, carry still, on. Still read bits and pieces about whether he looks and/or is interested. I think now that Lille have went back to France and have dropped their interest, he will be interested now. I certainly hope he is. Um, he's got two guys that are going to be breathing down his neck for his position. So, I think that there's 
there's an argument for the the guys ahead of Jack Kamara, Golson, and Hellander to really sort of pull their socks up and and get more involved, look more interested, and and ultimately get points for the club. I think um, you are both kind of right in a way with the Gerard point, Martin. I think he might not even have got a year three if his name wasn't Gerard. I know he's done well in Europe. And obviously, we've been in a tricky situation, but we've not really, you know, won anything. We got our what his first final last year. I do think a lot more managers would have come under a bit of scrut- more scrutiny. Um, also, in the the kind of you know looking for the, the flair players, you know, to kind of um, do something. Uh, Hadji, for me, I don't think he's got MD behind him. To be honest, Arfield played on uh, Sunday, so he was never going to really slot in there because he didn't have a good game himself. And other than that, who else is actually going to challenge him? And I think that's a position we need to need to strengthen. If I'm honest, to keep, you know, maybe somebody that could play in Kent's position or in Hadji's position. I think somebody, uh, somebody. Cedric, sorry, Martin. I think Cedric Eaton can can play from deep as well. Uh, as well. For, for Hadji, and depending on whether he was pushed out wide as well, Kemal Roof can come off. Um, can come off the wing as well. Although I get, I do get your point. I do get your point. Well, there's maybe not a natural um, challenge for his jersey. I, I do get that, and I don't think Scarfield's the answer. And I thought he was really poor. Um, yeah. Just to come back to that. Gerard point because I'm probably more aligned I think with William. Um, don't even look so surprised William. It does happen every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever agrees with me, man. I think you know, and let me put my colours firmly wrapped around the mast and stapled on. Uh, I like Stephen Gerard. There's been definitive yes progress, um, particularly in Europe. The, the the squad's got a lot tighter, a lot better. You know, a lot of that's to do with the investment that the board have given the manager to back him. So, you know, not always. Uh, I'm not always a fan of putting that directly to the, the manager's credit, to be honest with you. But they're a lot better drilled. They do their jobs, and we've played some really good stuff and went to some tough places and beat some good teams, right? Bragaway, right? Maintains maintains a, a real high point there. But if you want to be more critical for a moment, and you would say, okay, if we if we start <laughs> with our end point being that game on Sunday, and we spool back the way, so we'll jump in the DeLorean, we'll hit 55, boom, boom, and we get to, uh, instead of 88, and we, and we go back in time, and we say, oh, hold on a minute, this is a manager who has, so if you took the name out of it, and you said, this is a Rangers manager who's been backed, who has backed more than any other manager in living modern memory, right, since 2012, type of thing, probably before, actually who has had a good European run, right? Uh, coming off the back of the worst Rangers European result of probably all time, right? So it's hard to go down the way, right? But that's not belittling the, the efforts or anything like that, getting to the group stages and Europa and then going further and getting to Bayern and all that kind of stuff. But it's overseen two uh, post-Christmas collapses has been beaten in a cup final by Celtic, has only gotten to one cup final and is now in his third chance saloon, having, I would say, now got a squad that is wholly his, right? He's moved out all the people that he wanted to move out and all that good stuff, right? If it doesn't work this season for him, I don't even think the Gerard Halo effect still still applies anymore. I think that would be stripped away. But I do think think there is still that little halo effect we are so desperate i certainly know i am for steven gerrard to work yeah i am desperate to see steven gerrard lift that league trophy i really am right love it and you get the feeling he would love it he's, he's desperate for it as well not just for himself but for the club i think he really loves it but i let's not let's not be naive and blinkered here yeah i it's been good it's no been stellar and it's the same biggest wage budget in the country, it's arguably, depending on how you want to look at the numbers, pound for pound, had the biggest transfer budget in the last couple of years. And he's got to one cup final, lost it, not got to any other cup final, and has seen two post-Christmas collapses. 
that's, that's a wee bit more of a, of a difficult read when you look at it. And just to bookend William's point, I, I do think if it wasn't for this name Stephen Gerrard and the fact that, I think even slightly more than that, the fact that it's so obvious he buys into Rangers and loves it yeah. and is yeah. desperate for, to win for us, then I think there would be more challenging questions. And Sunday was maybe just the wee start of seeing some, some of that fabric start to tear. Yeah, well, can had, I, you, had his name been Graham Murray, would it be different? <laughs> I, it, would, it would be, or Pedro Cachinho. Yeah. I think what I'll come back and say is that when Gerard arrived, I think one of the first things he said, and I'm quite happy to be to be picked up if this is nonsense, but um, he did say he had a three-year plan. Well, this is year three, so um, mm. as I, I'll go back to it again. If come the end of the season, um, if he's lifting 55, we won't look back on... Match day four at Livingston, where Jack and Kamara got a doing for not playing properly, effectively. Absolutely, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll, fin- we'll finish this and we'll move on to the Kamara preview. But as I'm the host, I just want to finish on the one point because I can. It might only be four games in, but we've already seen evidence of the team's failings that we've seen in the last two seasons. So that's what worries me. Um, but listen, we'll move on to the Kamara preview. Um, Tommy, how big is this game on Saturday? After everything that we've just spoke about, how big is this game for us on Saturday? For the fans, right? Because we know how the fans react. But more importantly, how big is it for the players? I think it really is a big game. So if I, I think it's big for both, actually. But I'll deal with the, the team first, and then I'll go on to the fans. Um, when I say fans, us. Us, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's no differential. But, yeah, I, th- I think for a whole range of reasons there, and I will try and run through them quickly for once, which is the criticism from Sunday, the hangover of that, the need to put even more distance between Celtic, the need to get back to getting three points and build up that consistency and not have a lag. Kilmarnock having been a difficult team for us over the last couple of years, so putting one... You know, right on top of them as well. And I think all of that is wrapped up into maybe one of the things I said there, which was getting right back on the consistency model. So you're absolutely right to say, where's the positives? Well, we've not conceded. Um, we've, we're four games in and we've won three and drawn one. And it was one that we probably could have shaded if you wanted to go through it technically. And it was away from home on a dodgy pitch, right? Those are maybe some of the softer things there. But it's no bad reading, really. You know what I mean? We've went and had four games, one, three, drawn one, four games into the season, right? If you get to, it's five games, you've won three and drawn two, or won three, drawn one, lost one, mm-hmm. that becomes a more difficult sell and some of the some of the goodwill evaporates. And I think players then start to feel some of the nervousness and some of that. I think they, they might be a wee bit nervy. Uh, so I always get the feeling with this Rangers team, see if they just get an early one, then mm-hmm. the jig is up for the other team. It's as simple as that. Right? But the longer we allow a team to hold on, I think we still get nervous. Um, and that team gets something to defend. Moving on to the fans now, uh, I think they mirror the team. You know, We all mirror the team. I think if we don't get an early one, it tends to become a wee bit... I, I felt like that on Sunday when we didn't get an early one. I thought yeah, we were to hold on to and we'll eventually just get nervous uh, and start taking risks. I mean, towards the last kind of 10 minutes of the game, I think there was numerous times where we played it long and it just went straight to the park or we played it in any space and there was nobody there or passes were going straight and stuff like that. They start to tighten up like human beings. But um, I, I think the fans will get all of that as well. And then just to wrap all that up, considering what we were talking about a moment ago, if we don't come out with three points, another wee layer of that goodwill, Gets, gets stripped away. I, although I should say, just to go back to what Scott was saying, I'm the exact same. I don't give a monkeys about any result as long as come the end of the season, mm-hmm. sitting top of the pile. Right? What I just think, though, is this team needs... It, it can't get a trophy immediately. So what it needs is a good, serious run of consistency. Livingston is a block in the road. We need to get right over it straight away or it will give us a hangover. And quite frankly, we also need to bang one of these teams about with several goals 
Um, so I, it's a big, it's a big game, it's a big three points, and it's a big performance. I don't even think a wee scrappy one 0 win will do it. I think it has to be a statement performance. Well, you've just took my next question right out of my mouth there, Tommy, and I was going to take that to you, Willie. How important is the performance on Saturday? Does it matter the performance after a dropping dropping points at Livingston with a poor performance? Is it just all about the three points, or do we need to go out and really put on a show? Look, I'm just really wanting the three points at this moment in time myself, but I obviously, the, the performance, you know, if we come out and absolutely annihilate Kilmarnock on Saturday, then everybody's going to be delighted. It's going to be easy days and Livingston's going to feel like it was last season. Um, but I'm expecting, you know, just the same coming from Kilmarnock uh, as Livingston. So it's going to be interesting to see what the team uh, come up, like, trying, like, the questions are going to ask a Kilmarnock's defence. I think it's going to be pretty much back to the wall for Kilmarnock. I mean, hopefully we can get that wee bit of magic. And as Tommy kind of said, I think it's crucial uh, we get a, an early goal because that really seems to set us on the way and we kind of calm down a lot better. We seem to get the tempo up. Uh, you can really see us going through the gears once we get a, an early goal, but it just doesn't happen, you know, quick enough for us usually. Uh, if I can just jump in for a second before Scott, mm. uh, before Scott comes in, um, one of the reasons why, because I, I, I agree with William, right, that the most important thing is always the three points, right? One of the reasons why I say it's impo really important to get a good performance here is for all the reasons I touched on earlier, but just get back to that consistency piece. If we remember last season when we came back from Christmas, I think we played, was it Stranraer in the Cup? Stranraer and then St Mirren. And then St Mirren, right? And we, we won both games and we were unconvincing in both. Mm -hmm. And you started to get that feeling that they're a wounded animal. And other teams get that feeling as well. It's like we're going to drop points. Yeah. You know, it's coming. Oh, as yeah. opposed to what you really need really quickly in a run like that, well, to stop a run like that, is a big performance statement. I'll even take 45 minutes where we blow a team out of the water and then we sit back in our haunches for the second 45. But if you don't get that, it then starts to become, do you know what? How good a performance was it against St Mirren? You know what I mean? And you just go, you just go, um, uh, sorry, you, you dropped a point at Livingston and then you maybe dropped something at Kilmarnock. All of a sudden, the, the wheels start to just buckle a wee bit. You need to get right on top of it immediately and bash somebody over the head and I can think of no better club to bash over the head and bludgeon to death than Kilmarnock at this point. Because of course <laughs> that first season after we came back for the break it was Kilmarnock we dropped points at. Yeah. I think we joked a Joe Warrell slip. Um, oh. But Scott, listen, Saturday, Saturday we're at home to Kilmarnock. We've just had a disappointing result the week before. Kilmarnock in the last few seasons have been a really tricky team for us. We've dropped a lot of points against them. They've already drew with Celtic this season, albeit at home. So is this going to be, after everything I've just said about, no, we are Rangers, we are the most successful team in the world, we should be putting these teams to the sword. Will it be a difficult game for us on Saturday? Um, I, I think it'll be a difficult game. I think what you're relying on, you're relying on your big players turning up on the, on the grass at Ibrox, ultimately. I think it's a big game for Yanis Hadji at the weekend. I, he's going to be playing in the space um, as, as he normally does, but he's going to be playing in that area between um, Gary Dicker and, and um, Alan, Power, Alan Power, I think his name is. Yeah. Ultimately, one of these two guys are going to try and nail him, which you know. And if none of the two get him, it'll be Stuart Finlay or Kirk Broadfoot that'll try and nail him. So it's a big game for Yanis Hadji. I think what you're looking for him to do at the weekend, take the ball in that square or that group of four and start to spread it out left or right and hope that Barisic and Tavernier are bombing down the sides. I I don't have a huge concern for the game of the weekend. I mean, I have to be honest, I, I, I genuinely don't. Um, I am almost always confident when we play at Ibrox, whether it's in front of zero fans or a full capacity. Uh, I, I just think that um, being here at home kind of invigorates the players a little bit and I would fully expect it to do it on Saturday. I'm, I'm quite confident for the Rangers one. I think that central midfield's called Power Dick, isn't it? That's what they <laughs> usually call them. Uh, well, what kind of game are you expecting on Saturday? You kind of mentioned there, you know, we'll have most of the ball. Do you expect it to be like that for, for most of the game and come on, like, sit, kind of sitting, waiting to hit us in the break? 
I think we'll just see a kind of copy and paste of Livingston's tactics, to be totally honest. Um, but I, as you know, Scott was saying there, um, it's going to be in the grass park, the ball will be zipping around. I'm sure we'll have the park set up, you know, the way we like. don't know if any of you's noticed, but, I mean, Livingston had the nets down to stop the, like, so the balls would go away so they could timeless, you know, it was pedal. Absolutely. The balls seemed to disappear as well. So, you know, they were slowing the game down for us. Uh, and obviously it's our part, so we're going to have it to sort us. Uh, you know, hopefully we can up the tempo a bit and finally break them down, to be honest. Eh? What type of game are you expecting, Tommy? Oh. I, oh, boring. I, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to, trying to run some permutations in my mind there. I, I, I think actually we will see a Rangers performance. But there, there we go. I think Rangers will come out the traps. They will grab what is a, per, a fairly kind of IKEA flat pack functional from Arnold team. Um, in fact, I'd probably say IKEA are sexier on the eye than uh, than, uh, than anything in the typical Arnold side. Better and meatballs as well. A better, better meatballs. Uh, although I, I tend Our not, balls. I tend, I, plan, I tend not to. Uya misses uh, carry on podcast and. <laughs> uh, I, I think we'll actually give them a battering. I, I really do, uh, strangely enough. I, I'm about the same as Scott there in that, you know, I've, I've said all my concerns about the kind of macro level of if we don't get a, a result and stuff like that. But actually, for this game, I expect us to give them a trouncing. Uh, I expect, and I think it might just be the game that Haji pops, actually, uh, and comes back into it. And Morelos likes playing against them as well. Uh, I think you might see might see him return to I mean, maybe not the right phrase to say return to form, but he's been a wee bit off the boil, so turn <clears throat> up from simmer to, to boil again. And I I think we I think we might just give them an absolute thumping. You can bet your bottom dollar that they will absolutely be as usual physical uh, yeah. to begin with and seeing what they can get get away with. But we will also need to be very careful of they will play on the break. So that box that Scott was referencing in front of the back four is going to have a bit of a job to do because we will have a lot of the possession and they will look to to break really quickly. And I can't remember the boy's name, but the boy who was up front... I saw a Brophy. So, sorry, what was his name? Eamon Brophy. No, no, no. It was it was a different boy who was up front for them. Uh, I saw a time... Ramba. Is that the boy? Right, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, thank you, William. He looked a bit of a handful. Yeah, he did actually. Yeah, he looked really good. They have to be switched on. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod. I sense it'll be Balogun if he's fit uh, to come back in. But yeah, it'll be a bit of a rough game. Rangers, Rangers 4 now. Oh, right, well, I was actually just going to come to you for your production. So, Tommy, you've given me 4 now, Scott. 3 now, Rangers. 3-0 Rangers. Willie? hate this stuff, man. I just jinx anything like <laughs> this. If I see bet slips or anything, I jinx it all. <laughs> um, I'll stay away from it then. And then we'll see how we get on. And then I'll just... Oh, you need, you need to give me a, you you need me a score. That's, that's jinxing it in itself. I think uh, we'll finally concede a goal. And I think it'll be 3-1. 3-1. Right, gents, let's finish off the podcast with our fantasy football Scotland League. So I'll come to you one, one at a time for your positions. So, Scott, where are you? Last. <laughs> Dead last? I, I, I am. I'm sorry, I, you must excuse me for looking at my phone, but um, hold on a second, I'll just confirm that. Oh, yes, definitely last. <laughs> William? Uh, I'm... Well, I started, you know, the, the first week was eighth, went down to ninety second, but I've climbed up a bit and I'm I'm back up at thirty six. Thomas. I am sitting proudly, <laughs> proudly, I have to say, at um uh oh god almighty, is it really that bad? Uh, yes, nine hundred and nineteenth. Well I sit, I sit proudly at three hundred and thirty four. So I'm doing I'm doing not bad. I referred um, to I my comments two weeks ago in that neither Delph <laughs> or Scott have players from the East End in our team. Right, absolutely right. Well, Actually, I look quite forward to myself and Scott being automatically relegated 
to fantasy football league one for, for next well, actually, no. <laughs> jobs. Sorry, I have to pull you up because if that's the case, then you've had an advantage the last two weeks. Oh God, it's that bad then. <laughs> All my players have been COVID-19. There's been no Celtic players played the last two weeks. That doesn't help any bit. Our top three managers in third place is Callum McInulty. I suppose, I think that's meant to be McNulty, but he's put an extra I in. But however, Unless it's McInulty. McInulty, there you go. See, you're in to save the day, Scott. There you go, mate. You're welcome. Yeah, you know how I've, sure. I've been <laughs> shocking with names on this. Um, in second place, we've got Chris Russell. And in first place still is Murdo McDonald. So, well done to those guys. And Scott, Tommy and Willie, well done to you tonight. It's been good. I'll, going forward, I will have no more opinions. <laughs> Scott looked like he wanted to absolutely oh, take my head off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say that. I've expecting the host to, to say anything other than our names and then a question. That's it from now on. <laughs> I was going to say that. See, if we were in a pub, I was going to expect punches to be thrown the other night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know well, why I was in such a in such a. Um, I wasn't in a bad mood, but I was uh, I certainly clipped in my tone early on. <laughs> but um, listen, the podcast is available to watch on YouTube, Facebook and the website at thisisibrooks.co.uk. It's available to download on whatever podcast platform you use, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Spotify, still at it, gents, still at it. And you of paid, course... You paid a, a commission every time you mention one of these, <laughs> half, half, of them, half of them are made up, to be honest with you. <laughs> and of course, you can head over to our website, this is ibooks.co.uk, for blogs, articles, match previews, post-match analysis. Sexy pics of bottom. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've not been about since I was 19. But anyways, Scott, Wally, Tommy, thank you very much. Thank you for everybody watching and listening, and we shall speak to you next week. <laughs>